0: All right, so welcome to Late Night Luke number three. We're here with Showtech, with Daniel uh, Avila, Daniel Avila. I'm reading Daniel here on the on the <laughs> Daniel Avila. <laughs> and so it's so strange because I was like, who's Ruben? Is that uh Danny's manager coming on here? But no, that's Ruben. is Kura. Welcome, you guys. Uh Thank So good time. to see you. Thank you for uh, showing up. This is going to be a very... Fun episode, um, yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna tackle a few things, but I have a ton of fun uh, lined up for you guys. So, I first of all, what I always do is I, I link the connections to everyone. So, like uh, Danny, I I heard a, a specific story about you, how you broke through. Oh, hey, look at the mug. There we uh, go. <laughs> but
1: what does that say? You? I can't even read it.
0: A late night Luke logo on to wow. come. My- I want a copy actually yeah. all of you are are receiving one of these because you've been in the show so that's great that's great but I I heard your story is you got uh discovered by Feddy Legrand right Danny
2: yes sir yeah when I was uh I think I was about 15 or 16 and um I was his biggest fan at that point you know I, I used to go to the club he used to play in Marbella where I used to live and uh I used to write his name on my, on my arms. I used to be like a really, really big fan of Fetty. And funny enough, we had the same manager for eight years uh, when he signed me. So he pretty much discovered me, uh, you know, a while ago uh, in Marbella. And then he pretty much inserted me in the agency that he was that time.
1: And when, when was that to be, uh, I just want to curious, when that was, was that?
2: Orbea. You know, in the south of Spain. The, no, no,
1: I know, but when, what time, what time, what, what
2: year I'm was that? I twenty 25 now, so that was when I was like 14, I would say, 15. Yeah. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man, so that's uh, I, how I think I saw,
1: I think I saw one of your, like, uh, your shows very early on. I think you did a support set also for Th- for and Ibiza. I think that's the yeah. first time I saw you playing. And that
2: was 2000, let me see, 2014 or oh, Yeah, around that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, That was, that
0: was a pleasure, right? Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And so I, I see you have a ton of uh, tattoos. Now I just want to see the Fadi Legrand tattoo you have.
2: <laughs> I should get one, man. I should get one. I'm getting so many men. I should start getting your names too, man. You know,
0: <laughs> be amazing. Um, so Kura, you uh, you had a different story. I, we told this story once, but for me, in my memory, the first time I met you was at some show in Thailand. And I remember just being in the green, green room and thinking, who is this guy playing all the hits in front of me? And I was like, ah, oh, who is it? And so that was the first time I met you. But apparently we have a different story, right?
3: Yeah, we met the first time was in Portugal, um, i opened for you um at a, a actually a crazy show uh it was like a, a college student party and at the time i played with uh, the uh, it's not Serato, the, the other uh, brand i don't remember the the Tractor. Computer. Tractor, yeah yeah that one uh and it was a big uh, confusion because um you played with the normal you know you know normal setup and um the guy the, the technician didn't know how to set up everything it was a a big brawl in there and, um, but it was, it was a huge party. And then you, you started and then you were one of the first guys that did the, the loop, uh, you know, the changing um, tempo of the loop. And we were like, whoa, that was like 2008 or something like that. Wow. Or 2009. Something, it was a long time ago. So. We're going
1: way back here, guys. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> we're old.
0: it was before The Beard, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Wow, and and so uh, you too, short, I just remember meeting you guys at an airport, like we were standing in line, just speaking Dutch. Pretty. Oh,
1: and that's pretty much the connection you have with any Dutch person when you are at an airport. <laughs> <And> you really <immediately laughs> yes. hear them speaking Dutch.
0: Oh. yeah, that's yeah.
1: why when, when was this, Luke?
0: Oh, this, but this was way before you guys started making EDM. I think. Um, I oh, yeah, the, the possibly. The yeah, but maybe possibly W and W were in the same line and we were just chatting and I was like, Oh, that's cool, like Dutch DJs and producers type of deal. Um yeah. and I remember you just maybe you just started working with Tiesto on the on the Maximal Crazy track and, and whatnot.
1: Oh yeah. like that but that was uh ooh, when was that? But was it wasn't and
0: twelve, I think, so 11, 12? Yeah. Yeah, something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny to say, to hear Danny speak about also Feather because, um, I, I think Feather was the first DJ that I heard playing our song in a club. So I was like 16, 17 years old and I was not allowed to go to clubs, but, um, I was making music already when I was 14, 15. And I, uh, back then, you know, you just gave your CD to as many people as possible, like record labels, DJs and whatever. And I, uh, he was back then, he was playing in a club called Tracé uh, in Eindhoven, uh, in a very, very small club. And I used to go out there and he was DJing there and I gave him the CD and I said, all oh, right, cool, cool, thanks. And his feedback was like, any other DJ I understand now. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm busy. Thank you. I'll, I'll let you know, you know. But back then, I was like waiting like a puppy, like to see if what, what his response would be. Wow. But then a few weeks later, I went to the club called Don Salon. You must remember Don Salon, Luke.
0: Yes. One of the
1: biggest clubs in the Netherlands in Eindhoven and uh, I was actually on TMF, TMF back then. Wow. And then I went out to go. Well, I was I was 70 years old, came in whatever and then I was on a, I was getting a drink at the bar and I heard this loop coming in and I said, hey, I, I recognize the song. And then I dropped the, the records for the first time when I was in the club. And then I saw everybody going crazy course crazy, you know, giving like a good feedback to the song. And I was like, okay, this is cool, you know? So I also felt it was the, the first DJ who I like, started playing a, a track without even releasing anything uh, beforehand. It was cool. Do you remember when that was, bro? Uh, that wasn't even called Showtech. That was called W&S Project. It was in my... Uh, I, I have to look it up. It wasn't even called Showtech. And then uh, the song was released eventually. Um, but uh, it, was, it was called W&S, like Water and Sure. <laughs> it wasn't even Showtech. So that was 1999, 2000. Nice.
0: Yeah. I I just got goosebumps for you listening to that story and you know what that's an amazing subject how about we talk about that like um Kura, when was the first time you heard someone else play your track and where was it uh
3: at you know a recognizable level it was like I was driving in a I actually it was uh, you know the the back seat of uh, my girlfriend's car we were listening to a radio show here um uh, it was a radio called Mix FM and Roger Sanchez was playing. Uh, <laughs> wow. music, remember that? It was huge. Yeah. And um, he used to play all, all kinds of, of house music, not only like the harder stuff, but, you know, all the good stuff was there. And then he starts to play a track of mine called Brazil. It was like kind of an Afro techie track. And I, was, I didn't even know because uh, I didn't send the track. So it was uh, the label at the time. It was a Mathic Souls label. Massive, uh, yeah! Shout out for me it was like I was crazy. I was like, "No, he's playing my song. Why? You know how?" And it was um, it was big for me because I, at the time I had no pretension of being, a, you know, a touring DJ or a living off of music. It was just purely for fun. So it was it was huge.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. What about you, Danny?
2: Well, I think for me the first time was I was very young, man. I think I was. 16, And I was in the middle of my first uh, tour in America And I went to Sears XM I remember and on the way to Sears XM to do a couple of interviews uh, I heard my song on the radio um, And it was actually like one of the first songs that I signed to Like a decent label, I would say uh, I signed it to uh, Big Beat in America, in New York And I remember I was on the way to do a couple of interviews And I heard on the radio, I'm like, all right, I, I like this You know, It was a good feeling, man
0: um. Yeah, well, that's it's because it's an unreal feeling. Like before this, you're just like working in your studio and it's like, oh, you don't even think about other people playing your music. And I, I remember my first time and, okay, guys, I'm really old, right? So this was in 1997 in Utrecht in the Jarbers. Oh, yeah. There used to be a big, big parties, like uh, 20,000, 30,000 people. Uh, dance music was big in the Netherlands already. And I specifically went to see my favorite DJ back then there, which is DJ Remy. Shout out DJ Remy, Dutch legend. Um, and I just remember walking into that huge hall with my girlfriend and I'm like, wait, wait a second. And he was playing my my newest track. This must have been like my third release. And just in that hall and seeing all those people, I was like, this this just came out of my computer like two months ago, and now all these people are partying to it. So, that's amazing.
1: awesome! That's awesome. that's a nice story. And you know, you know, it's you know, it's funny. I mean, for us, like like for me and Wilder, and we never had the ambition to become even a DJ. Like we made, I think we made music for five six years even before thinking about DJing. And I remember. Because we we made house music first, like techno house, and then we just jumped into this Gary D trance. You know, Gary D, you know, it was like like up tempo hard trance, and then it became like the early hardstyle style stuff. And then I think I went to uh, Shockers in two thousand and three, <laughs> big Shockers, festival. Wow,
0: yeah. And I heard,
1: and then I heard, um, then I heard uh, people playing our stuff, and then I went to Sensation, and then I saw DJ Luna. You remember DJ Luna, big hardstyle style DJ, and th- this was the moment where that changed my life was like he was playing our song and all respect to Luna of course but he had his hands up in the air and he was was going crazy and everybody was going crazy like wait if he can do that I can do that too so that that's how I thought wait I need to be standing there that's my song I want to play all my own music and that was my realization like wait maybe I could bring my music also to a stage where I perform the music as a DJ or an artist and that was where the ambition came. When well, that, that came like maybe five, six years later, after making music, that it was possible to do that. So I think it was two thousand three or four. So uh, yeah, it's it's always fun to hear your music by somebody playing it. But then I think everybody wants to be that person himself
2: or herself playing it. I think totally. I also <laughs> I also think, bro, um, there's nothing like hearing your songs being played for the first time, right? Like right now when they play, I mean, it's it's great, you know, when you hear your songs around, but When you're just starting, you know, you're kind of amateur and you're working in the studio, you're that kind of bedroom producer. Then you hear your songs for the first time. can't really compare it to, you know, any other time, right? No, true.
1: I mean, I think it's always, as an artist, I think it's always nice if other people play your music because it means that, you know, I mean, to me, like, if you make music, you always make it for yourself because you're an artist. If you paint or make music and you create something, it comes out of your brain or your creativity, so it's your 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 production, but it does bring some value to the table when other people show appreciation, you know, so of course, uh, and even nowadays, even if I make a track right now and I see somebody playing it, I'm still like humbled by the fact that people play it, because it doesn't matter what level you are, I think it's some kind of satisfaction you always like to hear if anybody plays your song, and it doesn't matter, uh, you know, sometimes bigger or smaller artists playing it, but I think it's, it, you should always have that kind of feel to Always stay humble as well and uh, and always to get the satisfaction of the people like yourself it 's still a nice way for people you know to to feel that vibe so totally
2: totally man
0: I want to share with you the story of how I met uh, David Geda for the first time. Um, this was probably early two thousand and ten or something, yeah, yeah, something like that We're, we're big um, Techno parades in, in the, the heart of uh, Paris where we were on a truck. We were DJing. I was invited by Joachim Garot, uh, to be on there and David Guetta was on the truck as well. And I was DJing and the crowd was going crazy. And I dropped my new track, which was, um, Steve Angelo and, and mine track, uh, called B. And I was playing it and the people knew it and the, they were going crazy. And all of a sudden I get a, a tap on my shoulder and it's, it's David Guetta and, and he's kind of like, bro, like you're doing a great job, but um, I really don't appreciate you playing this track uh, in front of me, before me. I was like, oh, oh, wait, why? He's like, y- you don't realize this is the biggest track I'm playing at the moment. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on next to you, uh, after you. So, you know, yeah, this kind of sucks. And I'm like, but I made the track and you saw his, his mind going like, and he was like, wait, are you laid back, Luke?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, oh my dude. god, that's amazing! <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah.
0: So that was awesome. He played it again, and it was it was fine. Um, when,
2: Lou, when did B come, come out? How long ago?
0: Well, uh, what was it? Two thousand nine, something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember when it came out. Man, I was like, damn. Which which,
1: uh, which festival was it in in Paris? I was curious uh, what the what festival
0: the, te- was it? the techno parade in Paris.
1: Oh, nice. Okay, cool.
0: And um, actually, I wanted to touch uh, base upon that because I, I heard Kura just saying tech house now. Um, Shurd has a techno background. Danny, you're in Spain and uh, techno is huge over there. Right. And, and and so I think it's interesting, Shurd. I actually didn't know that uh, that you guys had techno roots.
1: Do you know our... Our, our project name, our techno project name, and we released several projects, several tracks under it. It's called Unibase, U-N-I-B-A-S-S. and we, I think, mm. we released two or three songs. It was also, all more like the shockers, you know, the the big big rave in in, in Amsterdam, right? <clears throat> that really inspired me. And I think I went to a festival. Marco Bailey was playing a three hour DJ set, and I just I just went ballistic. Just the fact that. <laughs> and a hi-hats and stuff and it's like what is this you know it all new it to me because i was going to say 150 people little club and i and eindhoven playing there you know the popular tracks and then i went to this grave it was all underground music and uh i went for 11 hours i didn't leave the room 11 <laughs> hours it's like this like the techno train you know and then i literally took the train back home at uh, the first train in the morning at 10 10 30 a.m back to the eindhoven i went to the train i was like oh my god this is amazing so I got his his DJ set live, I think was back then on Napster. You know, I found the set, listened to it, sampling every high that could sample, you know, every little beat. And then that's like how I started. So, and then uh, water was always playing the keys. So before Showtech, we were like doing like dark kind of underground techno stuff. It was called UniBase. We had like two or three songs. And then we released uh, that. We realized that it was like it was cool, but we could do more and stuff, more melodic. But that was the foundation of our. My brother and 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 and, and uh, me making music. That's so incredible.
0: Uh, because during during quarantine, I've been uh, I'm actually on the on the verge of rolling out my uh, techno alias, and I've been making that. and And it's funny because I don't really connect with the techno nowadays, but I have such a big heart for exactly the Marco Bailey type of techno you are talking about. And I've been making that type of stuff and we're going we're gonna to roll out soon. I'm quite excited about
1: it. Um, you have to send me. I, w- I really want to because I can yeah. definitely listen to
0: it. I think you'll enjoy that for sure. Okay, that's cool. Um, you
2: played that sound uh, way before the whole pandemic uh, stuff. You played a couple of shows where you played that, that sound too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've always had, um, had a big heart to, for uh, techno and it, it kind of balances out the EDM for me where it's exactly like Shure just said, where it's like you have all the hits, but then sometimes you want purely underground. And as a DJ, if I play techno, I don't do any requests. I don't even necessarily look at the crowd. It's just, you know, I just play whatever I want.
1: Is and it it's different? so
0: nice. I mean, techno... But
1: I think also... With, oh, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt okay, you. Okay, go ahead, bro. No, I want to say what I like about the techno scene and underground is, is that it brings you back to an era... Even in the '70s and '80s, when guitarists and drummers had their own solo in a song, and a song could easily be seven, eight, nine minutes, and the crowd would appreciate that one-minute solo of just a drummer like like going crazy, or the guitarist playing, and that's what kind of missing in music right now. The the, the expre- like people just turn the page, really, quick right. If you if you release a song on Spotify, the label says, "Oh, two minutes forty-five is the max." Then over three minutes, let's try not to do it. While in techno, you don't have you don't have that rule. It's like, you can make a buildup from four minutes and then drop with a hi-hat. And people are like, it could be a massive drop. And that's kind of what I like about the essence of that part of music or music in general, is that it, you can take time to really experience a song. And it's not about, it's, it's about so many more aspects in music than just the drop that needs to build up within two bars, otherwise people are bored. And that's, that's what I really appreciate about music. Doesn't mean I'm talking bad about the actual EDM or even stuff that we're doing. But that's an aspect I really like about music
2: in general, I guess. I mean, I kind of grew up with it because in Spain it's been very strong for a very long time. Um, what, about, what about in Portugal, Cura?
3: Uh, it's, uh, we had a lot of like uh, kind of illegal raves with that kind of sound. Uh, I think you guys are referring to the like the fast techno, like 150, 140
2: BPM, like really garage style, really harsh Uh, I'm looking a little bit like kind of like the underground scene, at least in Spain. I think uh, the 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 regular underground uh, stuff doesn't really matter if it's more techie or more darky or more techno, whatever. It's been very very big in Spain. I would say even bigger than EDM, except for the peak of the EDM era. You know, I would kind of like put that on the side, but. I kind of grew up with it because it's very big here, you know? So I'm 25 now. I've been DJing for about 10, 11 years. So before I started playing a little bit more of the commercial sound, I I started actually DJing more techie stuff, when Roger Sanchez was like on on top and the early Axwell and, and Steve and all that stuff, which was great music, man, back then, you know? So I think everyone evolved and everyone kind of, you know, went through a lot of different journeys, but in my particular case, I really learn a lot from the actual market in Spain, you know, because it's very big here. So, for Sherman.
0: Is it, a, is it appropriate to give uh, Wally Lopez a shout out here?
2: Also, yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, then my question, and, uh, and this for you uh, first, Cura. With the lack of festival season right now, with the lack of club life right now, has this affected the style of music you are making currently?
3: Oh, completely. Uh, even yesterday, I had a um, a friend of mine who produces for like um, pop artists, uh, like Latin, Latin stuff, and and, and uh, he does a lot of ghost production for uh, for uh, like singers and, and stuff like that. And um, he was here, and we made like a, a, a tribal tech uh, track, like kind of a black coffee versus weird style. So you know, just just going back to the roots of just making music purely for fun or what I like, what I vibe with, not worried about is this going to do good on the charts or Spotify or the festival, just let's make good music. So definitely changed the perspective. Of course, I'm not going to be lying. I'm not as productive as I was before, like in the studio because you don't feel the same motivation at times because also we made music for the, the dance floor and we want to try it out and stuff like that. But I'm still, of course, busy, and uh, but making whatever I, I feel at the moment, not worried about any type of influence out there. Yeah. Can I ask you something? What, so what, what does
1: motivate you right now, Then I'm curious.
3: Uh, in terms of, of career-wise, I know we're gonna, we're gonna get through this eventually. I don't know if it's gonna be in one year or, or two or six months. Uh, I hope as as fast as possible. But uh, I'm I'm just that type of person who likes to minimize the negative side of things. Uh, I'm just we we have to think positive. There's no other way. Otherwise, we're going to be frustrated and like depressed. And I'm not that type of guy. I just go with the flow and minimize it. Uh, and what motivates me, it's like um, I know we still have a lot to conquer in terms of, of dance music, and it's it's still going to be here for many many years. Uh, and we as artists, I think uh, all of us that are here have so much to contribute to to the music scene and to our careers that, uh, um, you know. But of course, I'm not going to be lying. I'm not as productive in the studio like every day or every two days. Maybe I'll go once a week, just take more time to finish a track, maybe one month to finish a track. Uh, back then I used to do it in one week. There's no rush, right? So <laughs> just enjoy
1: it. But don't, don't you also think that might be a good thing because the pressure and the the fast lane life you're always in also gives you the feeling that you're back on Monday after a show, you need to go back because you are like feeling that pressure. But I'm not saying that pressure is always good. I, I do feel pressure is healthy to push you forward. But I do feel that if, for me personally, I'm more personally connected to myself lately, like way, like 500% more than I used to be. And that motivates me to, if I go to the studio or I do something, I do it 500 times better. Where I sometimes go to the studio for five, six days in a row and I'm just, I'm, I'm not as focused or clear-minded as I used to be because I always feel like something needs to happen. Where now, if you don't go to the studio for four days and you enjoy, I don't know, a frock in the, in, the, in the lake, whatever, something really stupid, that you come back and you're so like, you know, the hours you spend to work are more valuable. So I don't feel... Maybe you feel less, even less productive. It doesn't mean you're doing less good. So that, that's like I that's how I see uh, I look at things at this point. True, true, true. I agree.
0: Danny, I I had a, a and we're we're gonna get into the the fun part, uh, guys. Bear with me, but I had a question from a from a viewer, Lemmy Music. He is asking Danny Avila, how do you deliver so much energy on stage? And he says, do you have to act sometimes? when you are tired and so obviously without any shows you're left without the performance right how how are you dealing with that
2: um a couple of red bulls before the show no i'm kidding i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) i mean it comes out naturally man really depends on the show you know there's there are shows that just brings a lot of energy and i just kind of like vibe it back to the crowd just shows where the energy is more normal and i just i go with the flow pretty much you know there's no really like there's something that I always do or force or act, you know, I'm just, uh, I just act natural. And, and, you know, if I'm enjoying the show and the vibe and the energy of the crowd, I think it comes out naturally, you know?
0: I just wanted to ask you because, uh, you know, um, there's introverted and extroverted people. Usually, uh, producers are introverted. I had a very hard time trying to, you know, get myself out on stage where I was. I, I grew up, uh, you know, I was very much into acting, actually. So I c- I can act it out, but it was never really natural to do it on stage, other than when I started drinking and getting, you know, in party mode. uh yeah. And and then that stuck when I when I stopped drinking. I was like, whoa, wait! But I have all this fun left in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. So I I could say that you're an extrovert, then, Danny. You have no problem.
2: I would say so, man. I would say so. I mean, you know, like I said, I have um, no, no problem really just uh, doing my, my thing on stage. Of course, sometimes I have to do a little bit my thing. So I would maybe, I don't want to say fake or act, but of course you have to deliver something that you want to give to the fans and to the crowd and all that stuff, you know, but um, it's not something that I fake or I, ha- I make a big effort doing, you know?
0: Sure. to you, uh, you are the, the, party starter in show deck right you're the guy that's always <laughs> getting the crowd going so how is that with you yeah say you are super tired and it's like ah i can't right now how do you switch that
1: well it's like really funny because before i go on stage people ask me like are you okay you look very bored are you having to do are you even excited for the show and for me like even my my wife like my fiance is you know still like before the show, I don't want to talk to anybody. Like, I already want to talk to the, the set through the water, like, okay, which songs we want to play? What are we going to do? And we all, always leave 30, 40% up to what's actually happening during the show. So we don't really want to prepare the set in, a, in that that much either, which also gives you more room to give a natural response to the crowd. Um, so before the set, I normally go back to minus 100. So I'm really, I don't speak to anybody and I'm also not drinking anymore. I used to drink way more often, but I found a way to really enjoy my shows without any alcohol. I'm not saying I never drink anything, but during shows I, I perform better and I have a higher energy level without alcohol. And I just, for me, the way to do it is go totally back to minus 100. And then when I go on stage, I'll just give a full 100%. And then afterwards, I, um, I try to like really calm down and, you know, really go back to that minus 100 again to go back yeah, to zero. Right, right after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's how I
0: yeah, for me as well. It's a, it's like a mental switch. Um Me too. It's the amount of people you come across backstage, and they're like, "Okay, so are you ready?" And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." You, you feel like partying, and I'm like, "Yeah." And then when you walk up stage, you're like, put your headphones on. It's like, "Yeah, let's let's do it now." And then you come yeah. off of the stage, and all these people wanting to talk to you. And and Danny, you just said it. And it's like, then it's like over. You're back to like, eh, ah, I'm normal again. And um, so,
1: so, Danny, can I ask you something? Because you, I, I've seen so, you, you performing and you're a very energetic person. Do you still have that energy now, even while you're not performing? Or do you, do you do other stuff to get rid of that energy? Because that's what I found. Like, I have still a lot of energy built up. So, I. I went to doing more like extreme workouts and doing like stuff to get rid of that energy, because it's something that you, you hold into yourself. It just, I think with performing, I just keep that for the performance. So how do you get rid of that energy or is,
2: how do you do that? The thing is I used to do uh, extreme sports when I was younger. So I used to compete on wakeboarding um, professionally for about three, four years. So I'm kind of like a very active guy. You know, I love doing sports and doing snowboard and all that kind of stuff. So when I kind of like quit doing that and I started DJing and touring, I kind of found that on uh, just uh, working out pretty much. You know, I try to work, work out quite often, especially when when I'm on tour. Uh, even though it's tough, you guys know that, Luke. And uh, I mean, everyone, you guys know how tough it is to <laughs> work out on the road. But I try to do that, man. I try cura, to- Cura, um, cura. The boss. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I try to do that, man. I try to, you know, get the uh, energy out, uh, working out and um, doing that frequently, I would say.
0: That's awesome. Um, so let me dive into the fun stuff here. Let me ask you guys if you have all your pieces of paper ready. Oh yeah. Ready. yeah. Okay. So we, uh, cause we did a poll online and it's so awesome. People love interacting with these, uh, last time on the late night Luke show, we had uh, 18,000 votes. Now we had lesser questions and, uh, the votes were still 7,000 votes. Okay. These are questions, and then for you to put, put the put the name up, you should let me know what you think the crowd answered. So, most likely to go over the top with a prank. So, what did the crowd answer? Uh who, who is most likely to go over the top with a prank? <laughs> oh, oh Danny, is that because he's the youngest? <laughs> okay, so the answer is, um, first place. Oh no, I should not do the first place first, right? Let Fourth place, <laughs> Kura. Uh, th- third place, me. Uh, f- uh, second, Danny. And then first, Showtech. People <laughs> think <laughs> that Showtech is up for a prank. Maybe it's the beard. Well, what's up?
1: Now, well, well, I I do feel that we we prank each other a lot, though, but we don't really show it uh, like that much to the outside world. We do it very uh, in our inner circle. But I felt Danny because I've seen what he's doing and he's a very energetic guy. And he's like, you know, he looks a little like fun guy to like, you know, not (laughs) not a boring kind of person. So (laughs) Danny, you know.
0: So then, Danny, you you must have some amazing stories to tell us. What's what's your what's your most awesome prank?
2: Well, I can tell one that is quite funny. So I did um, two weeks in Taiwan, like three weeks ago. Um, did a couple of shows there. So to be able to play the shows there, you had to do the test, right? Um, your nose and all that stuff. So I did the test, and I do actually the blood test as well right before I went to play the shows over there. And I had to do quarantine as well, right? So my two friends that live with me in my in my house. They did a pretty, pretty hardcore prank and they call a YouTuber pretending that he was the main guy from the uh, from the clinic uh, place. Right. <laughs> Saying that my tests were actually positive <laughs> when, they, when they were negative. Right. So there's actually the prank on YouTube. I'll send you guys so you can watch it because my reaction is pretty damn funny. So I think it's better that everyone watches on the video because holy shit, man, that was next level for me, man.
0: Oh, that's terrible. That's crazy.
2: Man, like, I wanted to kill them so bad, you can't imagine. Like, I I did the two tests and everything was on point, the paperwork to be able to play the shows after all this nightmare. And then when the day before, I had to take my flight to Taiwan. Boom, you know. Yeah, man. Pretty intense for me, man.
0: That's wild. Okay. Uh, Kura, do you, do you have a prank story for us?
3: And normally, I... I I tend to prank my tour managers because they're always like one of my best friends for a long time. So we have like, they do it back to me also. So we don't have like a tour manager relationship, uh, like artist tour manager. We have like a friendly relationship. So what I do normally is uh, I, offer my, I offer myself to uh, take care of the food. So I go like to Taco Bell and I bring the food. So I have total control of what I can do with the food. So what I normally do, and they go like, no, no, don't worry. No, no. I say, no, no, don't worry. I'll go, I'll go, No problem. So normally what I do is I put extra spicy, extra double, double <laughs> spicy stuff on the quesadillas and on stuff like that. And I go there and I'm slowly watching them eat and they were like, oh, man, yeah. you know, oh, is yours like that? And I said, yeah, super spicy, man. And so stuff like that during like breakfast, you know, seven in the morning when we go to Asian, we're like totally fucked up. I used to put Tabasco on the food and, I'm always
2: trying to do those kind of pranks. I do the same thing, bro. When I cook chicken wings in my place, there's always a magic one hidden, you know.
0: With yeah. <laughs> magic chicken,
2: <laughs> they go crazy. <laughs> oh, That's wow. good.
0: Well, oh, and and it's twofold, right? Because it's hot when it comes in, but it's hot when it
1: comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
3: know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. About that.
0: <laughs> okay. Second question. Second question. So, who is most likely to own a bar? What did the crowd say? Mm. Mm. A bar. Can I show
1: it up? Can I put it yeah, up? Yeah,
0: go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Interesting. thing. <laughs> you, kura huh? Sure. Okay, really, number four.
1: That, I really want to know why that is. <laughs>
0: Me too. Uh, number four is Danny. Number three is me. Number two is Kura, and indeed, number one, Showtek. <laughs> sure. Schult. What kind of bar would you open?
1: <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, first of all, I rarely drink. Like, if it's four times a year, that's like that's like that's it. Maybe uh, m- mostly for a cheers moment, and uh, or maybe when it's a special occasion. But I I have nothing. I have no. Like I don't love like alcohol or anything like that. I love like a good wine or beer here and there. But I have no, no. Maybe it's the beard and the rough look, and maybe people think I'm like half Viking, half Irish, and I drink a lot. But um, no, it's not. It's not in my, in my nature or my culture, actually.
2: No. So yeah. I want to
1: why these guys? Why these guys? No, say it's, not list, right? huh?
2: it's not on your to do list, right? It's not on your to do list, right?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> <your own> <laughs> no, no. So, so yeah, then uh, then Kura and Danny. Why? Why did you say sh- uh, Showtek? Is it is it the Harley look?
3: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that uh, rough, you know, uh, rough rider look. You know, <laughs> I, agree, <laughs> agree I agree with him Agree with him, bro. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. That's In a good way, not like a I love alcohol way. You know, something cool. You know, uh, yeah. So may, maybe I'll. Yeah, maybe. No, I I do have I do have a huge like uh, uh love for uh, cooking healthy food and stuff and i'm really into like a healthy lifestyle it's like, most people don't really think about it when they see me they think oh is, my, my dad is a big beard you know big guy same size and when we go out people think we're like you know we have motorcycles and we just think you're know, we're, we're tough boys but actually i'm in super into living healthy and making healthy food so i always said after i you know, stopped making music And I stop. I mean, I never will stop making this. But when when time is right, and when I stop performing, I definitely want to do something that that is like health minded, and I could even like I have I have a lot of dreams for after the DJ career. So and that's uh, that goes into like uh, along with how I live now, and I want to bring that to the table literally later on, but not now.
0: So so then then possibly a restaurant before a bar. Well, no, like
1: I, I. yeah, if he, I'll try to keep it very short. I'm mean, very much into, like, I love animals. I, I live a plant-based diet because more of, like, how I, how I love animals so much that I don't, and that's my personal, so I'm not trying to object this to any other lifestyle or I don't want to force it to anybody, but I love animals so much that I don't think I have the right to take a life from somebody or an animal to feed myself. Like, I, I know there's, if you, if, you, if you teach yourself what, what the possibilities are, there are a lot of good options to live a healthy lifestyle without hurting animals. That's how I feel personally. So I want to carry it on later on. And so right, right now I'm just doing it to, to, to be healthy, to feel good. And it works for me for the last four years now and it works really well. And I eventually love to have like a sanctuary where I save, you know, animals that were safe from slaughterhouses or, or hurt and maybe just, you know, try to do something that's totally different. A part of me that I, don't really show often to people. Uh, but I'm very close to nature and I love like healthy stuff. Like I even make my own milk, you know? So I don't even go buy milk or anything. I just make milk from nuts and oats and walnuts. And that's how I live, try to live a healthy lifestyle when I'm not touring and, and, and doing all that stuff that's heavy for my body. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So 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 it, the- it, another
1: bar, a milk bar.
0: <laughs> so, so the beard is actually a guru beard, not... You know, a Harley Davidson beard.
1: You know why I have the beard? You wanna have the story behind the beard? Yes. My please. my my fiance said, like, like you have you have no chin. Like, where's your chin? Maybe you should grow a beard. <laughs> and my father has a really epic beard. I, I will send you a picture afterwards. He's the most epic beard ever. So and you see about my father, she's like, Well, if your father has that my nice facial hair, why you don't don't you try it? And since I grown it, I mean I gotta trim it here and there because it grows really fast and I look like a bushman sometimes, but if I take care of it, I think it looks nice on me. So I start growing it to get myself a little bit of a longer face. And that's what, and, and it worked out great.
0: Man, <laughs> I, I have that problem too. I have no chin, but I have no beard uh, hair either. So I'm just screwed.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, you look good. Don't worry.
0: Hey, Kura, so would this be an idea for you to ever start a gym then?
3: Actually, uh, one of my best friends... Um, he's opening a gym. They're, they're building it, um, you know, with all his knowledge of uh, the machines. He's bringing a whole new, like, approach to the, to the normal gym that we know, like with the, with the machines. They're, like, custom made by uh, the guys that do the, how's it called, the mountain dog training. You know John Meadows? So um, he made a couple of, of machines that are completely different from what we see in the regular gyms. They're making like a super complex here in Portugal, which is something never seen before. As for me, I don't have the knowledge to uh, to make something like that. I could be a partner, uh, like an investor, because I love it. But um, you know, other than that, I, I don't have. I actually don't have the knowledge to uh, you know to to deliver a proper gym. Uh, I just you know I just work out because I love it and I, I, I can't get away from it right now at this point of my life because I don't want to look like I used to you know because I didn't like it uh, and it's part of me right now. it's something that you cannot take away yeah
0: For sure. Um, I think for me, one of my big dreams is to, to open up a kung fu school obviously but then uh, I have students online right now all over the world, which is great but to actually have a physical building, and to be able to go in there and, and teach everyone in person, it would be nice. Yeah.
1: How long have you been practicing, Luke? Because I, when since the day I met you, you've always been training. Like when I met you in a hotel, you were like er, up early with your teacher who was with you traveling, who was also your tour manager, correct?
0: That's right. I remember
1: we, we, we were in, uh, in in Barcelona in a club. I think you played after us. And then um, it was on the beach Uh maybe i'm not sure which what the club is again it's on the beach in the barcelona strip i don't know opium. what it was but opium, opium yeah. yeah and you played after us and you played a really crazy set and we were like partying hard and then you went after the set you left and then i was i think still up the next morning and you're already up from your sleep practicing your kung fu and your your and with your teacher like wow what this this guy's motivated so do you, do you still do that
0: yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So I've oh been training for over 20 years. And um, what is it, three years ago, I, I got the title Sifu, which is Sensei in uh, Kung Fu. Uh, so I, I became a teacher. And uh, yeah, I've, I've, I'm still doing it. I actually need to tell you a funny, funny story about Ibiza, where I was invited by uh, Dimitri Vegas and like Mike to come and play uh, at their party. And they always have such a big crowd of people behind them on stage. And uh, the Tomorrowland crew was there. And uh, Christoph uh from Tomorrowland, he was uh, trying to get me drunk. He was like, ah, have shots with us. And here, drink this and drink that. And I actually couldn't because it was, what was it? Three days out of me competing in the world championships. And I had to finish off uh, training training early in the morning, and I was like, no, I can't, no, I can't, no, I can't, no, I can't, and then I left. And um, I've had several, several uh, points, for instance, uh, in uh, Miami at M- Winter Music Conference, where this was also like a week before the World Championships, and I had trained for about five months to get ready. And it, mid-WMC, I was just still, still training, yeah, for sure.
1: That's, that's nice, but that's motivation. And that's, that's, that's good to see. And it's fun to see. I see that a lot of people also with you that have like, have something super like, um, uh, besides DJing or producing that, that is like another drive for them. So it's, it's it's really motivating to see that you still do that. That's good. A lot of dedication too, man.
0: Wow. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's just fun. So it's easy. Speaking about fun, the next question. Who is most likely to fall off stage? What did the crowd say? Mm. (laughs) Ruben Cura. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, Showtech. Wow. Okay, so the crowd said number four, Cura. Number three, Danny. Number two, Laidback Luke. I don't know why. But number one, again, Show tech, taking you the winner
2: <laughs> even though I've done <laughs> no. stage a lot of times even though I've done it many times
0: okay I, I wanna uh, I want to hear about that but first short
2: you know what's funny
1: uh i'm not, I'm not really sure which show it was but you know how in front of the stage there's always like the speakers that go that uh, point to the crowd and at one point I was like so hyped and like so like you know same as Danny has when the crowd gives you the the energy you just like take it in and it's like this, you just do things. So I jumped off stage on the speakers and I was like partying and partying and partying. I turned around. I was like, huh? how do I get back? It was at least two and a half, three meters. And I don't know how I did it. So I was just standing there like four, three meters high. And I, I had no idea how to do it. So they had to make like a, you know, a little like a, like a to catch me from security guards. <laughs> I had to get back down. I, I didn't know how to do it, but, uh, I only fell once or twice during performances, but uh not nothing really bad. But uh, yeah, I mean I'm also on the front of the stage a lot, so it kinda makes sense that people think I would do something
2: stupid. Yeah.
0: Danny, we wanna hear about you doing something stupid. Which oh. was which was the worst.
2: I can remember two of them. Uh, I'll try to be quite fast. The first one was at Webster Hall in New York. And there was this gap that was between like the stage and like the fence where the first row of the crowd is. But it was kind of dark, so I didn't really pay attention. And I didn't know there was a gap. So I went to, to stage that, to jump into the crowd. But I didn't see the gap. So I kind of like jumped. On that last step, you're going to like put pressure and just jump. But I put it on the gap. So you guys can imagine how... I fell right on the face. It oh, was horrible, but the video is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one, man, was in Mexico and there was again a little gap between the, the desk and the speakers and monitors. That was on the second track of the set, right? So I jammed on the decks and I literally put my foot on the gap again with such bad luck that the cable of the mixer went across my, my foot. So the whole sound just uh, just completely off, right? For about five, ten minutes, and oh my god, there's a video on YouTube. I'll see you guys too, man. That was
0: <laughs> oh man, we gotta link them all below. That's that's amazing.
2: That was a hardcore one, man.
0: Kura, you you don't mind jumping off the the DJ booth either, huh? Any any bad falls or anything?
2: A couple, like
3: uh, some some bruises here and there. But one time, um, the stage was like um like a junction of various like small stages, you know, those like when they group everything and one of them was um, not properly stretched out. So when I jumped in it, when I landed it, like the two, uh, like the two mini stages fell down. So it wasn't actually the one on the mixer, but the one on the back. So it went like this and I disappeared completely from, Oh.
0: Stage.
3: it wasn't too high. It was like, like one one meter, one one in something, but but still make a loud noise and but the stage itself, like the booth, was okay. The back one was the one that you know collapsed. Uh, it was, I
2: didn't get hurt actually, but it was when that, when that happens. It takes you one second to disappear, right? You're like <laughs> <out>. <laughs>
3: crazy because I was all red, like ashamed, you know, like you know, <laughs> don't do this anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, and and then you still need to play for like forty five minutes or whatever,
3: it's like
0: like this you know slowly Uh, Oh, these are amazing Um, let me let me get one more uh, more question here okay so who is most likely to become a famous rapper or singer Uh, you guys haven't haven't put me on anything right I haven't seen my name pop up you know what
2: you know what? I go for Luke, man. <laughs> 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 All right. I, and you know why I put your name on, Luke? Why?
1: I think you're going to be a famous movie star doing some big kung fu scenes somewhere, sometime, somewhere. So I'll, that's yeah. why I put your name on.
0: All right. So the the crowd said, uh, number four, Kura. Number three, Shotek, Number two, Danny. And number one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, look. It's interesting because I was... Um, I was prepping for this and it it I just reminded me oh no so yeah it just reminded me of um, my career in the ultimate DJ boy band. I don't know if uh, you guys have ever seen the video but it's kind of like Don Diablo and I and and two other guys uh being in a, a DJ boy band. I'm not side-eyeing Danny Danny here at all speaking about DJ boy band but like uh, we performed at a very big show in the Netherlands, a morning show for housewives and housemen sitting at home in the morning, and I was the singer. Uh, I can't. The actual
1: singer. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was doing it playback, but um, and I, I really can't, can't sing for the life of me.
1: What show was this? What, what TV show was this?
0: Ah, uh, what, what was it? Uh, something like, what was it? Uh, back in the day, like RTL4 in the morning, or uh, I, got, I got Coffee
1: Tide. Coffee,
0: Coffee Tide. I think it was Coffee Tide. It was crazy. <laughs> Coffee time. Yeah. Coffee time. Yeah. So, if you don't know it, um, be sure to look it up. It's hilarious. Don Diablo is the rapper of the band. So him and I go back and forth. Wow. Uh,
2: Even though we didn't know, I voted for you, bro. So
0: That's amazing. So I, I, I do have some follow-up questions for this. So has any of you used your own voice in a song? And, and which song? Go ahead.
1: Uh, of- n- not, not rapping, but a lot of the one-liners that we use in our songs are, is me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a few. Uh, Get Loose, for example, uh, with uh, Noise Controllers, which was on SquillX label as well. Um, I do a lot of the one-liners because I thought it was cool also because if I do them on on stage There's like a a connection between me doing them and people hearing it in the tracks I'm not doing it every all the time, but there's there's definitely a few songs where I did it, but definitely not singing guys I can't sing (laughs) now.
2: It's funny bro, because I actually I asked you once uh, right when it came out when get loose came out You told me yo, I did the 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 voice thing and I was like damn I remember you told me like such a long time ago Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a couple of them. Yeah, it's cool. I, I just love that record. I've done yeah. it. Um, I did, I think the last track I did was, uh, it's called Good Times on musical freedom. It has the typical Good Times uh, sample. And I did a couple of, uh, sort of just, uh, things on top, not like an actual vocal, but a couple of sort of ad libs and things like that. Nothing that you can really recognize because I'm not a good singer at all, but, but yeah. And you, Kura? The,
3: the Lambo track, It's it's Me.
0: Oh, that's you? Wow. Yeah,
3: heavily, modified, heavily modified, of course. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's like because we're always trying to find those quick vocals on the sample packs and splice and everything because we want to have something quick to play and then everybody can have it and it's not unique. So I just said, I'm just going to mumble rap on this shit and... Let's see what it... What
0: it okay, yeah. so, so now you're on the spot, Kura. Do the, do the rap for us, for people who... No, no, know.
3: I can't. No, it's, no, No, I can't do it. Wait, nah. what, was
0: it what was it again? Nah. Sit in my Lambo. <laughs> sit sit, sit to the Lambo.
3: Something like that, yeah. No, nah, it was like, even for me, when I was recording it, I was like feeling so cringy. It was like, I was like all red of, you know, so... so it's, it's crazy even talking about it. But, uh, I mean, in the end it worked. So, yeah, who cares? <laughs> But uh, yeah, because I didn't have the time to uh, ask a, a singer to, to sing on it. And I just wanted it to be like a kind of a quirky record, like fun and cool. And I just had the lyrics standing in my, my head. And I just said, let's record it and heavily modified it, of course. And uh, yeah, it's
0: there. <laughs> I, I have this one. Move the house, break the house down.
3: That's a good one.
0: <laughs> That's me.
3: That's a good really? one
0: yeah it's my voice <laughs> and so uh Walter. Uh, uh wouter uh i know wouter um told me he listens and makes a lot of hip-hop and uh yeah Shuf, do, do you have that hip-hop background as well
1: uh well and it's funny you know it's really like when i grew up with what i mean Walter uh, was always the older brother right so as an older brother you always kind of like fall into the footsteps of your older brother when you're younger. So when he, you know, said, oh, I like basketball. I said, oh, okay, I'll try it out too, you know. So a lot of things that uh, I like now were introduced to me out of my brother. But when he grew up, he was a huge, huge, crazy hip-hop fan. I'm talking about listening to everyday Wu-Tang like uh, Biggie, Tupac. And his whole room was full of Wu-Tang posters, Wu-Tang stars. You know, when you, when, uh, when, you, when you put the lights off, it was like reflecting on the ceiling. So he grew up with hip-hop a lot and He's very into it still. I still like it here and there, but I'm 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 more like a nineties hip hop guy and I, I the new hip hop is cool. But I when I listen, like when I work out or stuff, I, I put the old old hip-hop on.
0: I agree. I'm from that same generation. So but but then okay, so let's give Wouter a 2020 hip hop artist name. What, what would you name him? If we
1: give Wouter a hip hop
0: name? Yeah, Lil Lil Wouter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh wow uh that's a, oh now you got me on the on the on the spot bro uh that's a good one because he's like he's pretty sophisticated right he tucks his t-shirt sometimes in his pants and like so he's a little like 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 uh i don't know he's very specific the way he dresses and the way he acts with his he's got long dirty hair so he's a little like a dirty look but still sophisticated. i don't know like that would be yeah because because what, 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 what
0: would you get if oh, it would be dirty, it would be Wouter, And if it would be more along clothing line, it would be Waun Ye. Wau Nye. Wau West, nay.
3: Wau West. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, now we're getting into the bad jokes here. Um I have a I have a question from um from someone in the audience, someone who's watching right now. Um Oh boy. Okay. We're going to get, we're going to turn it a little bit serious here because of the bad jokes. Jake Dial is asking us, what are the next music trends? What do you guys think?
2: I think, I think melodic techno is taking a big, big uh, journey now. To be honest, I see it coming in quite high.
0: Do you have any, any artists you can, you can highlight there?
2: Um actually there's two guys, they're from Spain, they're called Prophecy. Um, they made some really, really cool stuff, actually. Um on that on that genre. But I think I think it's becoming quite popular at the moment.
3: Elderbrook also, right? I would say. Elderbrook is really cool. Even even you can consider maybe like camel fat on that genre, maybe some some of the tracks, right? A
2: little bit, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Oh, I
3: so that's growing for sure.
0: That's really good to hear. Well, what
3: do you think? What do you,
0: what
2: do you think, Luke, about that?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I I hear that. I've seen it uh, popping up for sure. Obviously, right now the whole uh, streaming sound is is hot with the the slap slap house line kind of deal. Um,
1: yeah, I I think there's there's two genres that took the took my attention lately. It's first of all. I've seen techno become more popular on, on Beatport and also on, on Spotify. If you look at some like artists, like some of the streaming on techno went quite up. And I think like you said, oh, melodic techno is, is, is going to be popular. Uh, it could, could be, I'm, I'm not listening that much uh, to it, but I, I just think that, um uh, especially now in quarantine, people just have more time to do things and stuff. I think people listen also to other stuff. And I think, what we were saying before, like techno and longer music and more buildups are becoming more popular, and also it's more like the uh, what I found it's, it's more like um, how you call that? It's like uh, like almost like the chill hop, you know, like it's very like uh, like very weird flume kind of hip hop. This is just like chill out music, and it's very relaxing. I've been listening to a lot, and those streams have been going up as well. Uh, but at the end of the story, I think if you if you look at what's going popular you're already almost too late as an artist if you're going to jump on that bandwagon. So I think it's super important that you just, and especially now, my brother and I are working like on an album for next year. And we really said to each other, let's just do what comes up in our head right now because there's no shows, there's no pressure. We do not know what's going to happen. So yeah. this is almost like, it's almost like a big reset button for the, not for the entire planet, you know, but also for the entire music industry. When we all come out of this, we have a chance as artists to do something totally new and almost get away with it in a good way, you know, because we have time to reinvent ourselves. And I, I think it's really cool. And I think, like, we we have so many different songs that we want to uh, come out with. And some are more, like, super chill, some are more techno-orientated. Some are still, like, really typical show deck, like, you know, like, big. And uh, I think we all of us are, and as uh, he was saying earlier, we have time to really... Uh, just be productive right now. So hopefully, we all, you know, in like a year, if we do this interview again, we laugh at it and we all did something new. We can say, ah, this is what was new. You know?
2: Like a musical <laughs> vocation, right? Kind of.
1: Yeah. And I think I think everybody who I speak to needs it. It's really funny, but everybody I speak to from an artist perspective almost needed it. It's I think
3: it like, was a bit lost before all of this. Everybody was a bit lost of what are we going to play right now? Uh, what's popping, you know? Because we sometimes I felt like when I played in a bigger festival, like uh, for bigger crowds, I had to resource myself to older tracks that I knew that were going to do good on the dance floor. And then there was nothing like that secret weapon that we had back then, you know, the fresh stuff that we had, like the, the, those good tracks, you know, during the trending like EDM sound that maybe like a couple of DJs had it at this time before the quarantine, we don't have that anymore. It's just not, the music was not up to par in terms of quality. I mean, globally, not only me or you got, everybody was not making like the super cool stuff, you know? And the tech cows was coming up. It was a big mess. I think this is going to be good to do a exactly a reset. And maybe we have the responsibility to create something, you know, big again, I think. Yeah,
1: anyway. I also look at it like, you know, if you look at all the rivers in the world right now and the oceans and the water, everything is more getting more clear. To me, that's a big reflection of, of how your mind can be as well. Like, every, everything is clearing up. So you have the, the time. And basically, Earth is giving us an opportunity to to do something new and that can be very good for the next decade, you know? So even though it's a very depressing time for a lot of people, I think the challenge here is, like, to just really, like take this moment and really realize, okay, now I have no excuse. Now we can really like take our time to do something new and even be a trend yourself. You know, it's like, it, of course, there will always be a trend or a genre that's popping or doing well. And that's like, you know, people follow that. But now if you come out with some music, like, like later on this year or next year, you have a story to tell. And I think that's the opportunity that every artist has in their own way. And I think also people, when the engine starts rolling again, people will understand because everybody went through the same thing. So I think even though it's really bad times and every bad uh, situation, there's always something positive. And everybody's looking for that positive. And not only this conversation and my friends and my family, everybody's doing something to, when we all get back together, we have
2: something that's going to carry us for another few years. And I think yes, it's a challenge. Like there's not that much pressure at the moment compared to the times before right? Because before, you know, we're always on the go. We're always thinking about, okay, how much time do I have to finish this? When's the next one going to come? How much time do I have to finish that or to send it to this other guy? But right now, I don't feel that pressure anymore. I I
3: want to ask you a question to all of you guys. How do you feel about this? Um, Because I've been asked this, and um, it got me thinking, like, what do you feel about artists that are not releasing music during this quarantine time?
2: Um, You know, there are a lot of artists that just don't release music anymore. What do you feel? I think I think it depends on the strategy they got. You know, maybe some artists are just trying to put out, depends on the artists, right? But I think they're trying to put out maybe the stronger records when this whole thing stops. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, just want to maybe perhaps think about it a little better. I see a lot of artists putting out a lot of music. So I think it depends on what you got in your mind, your strategy, your goal. And maybe for some artists it works. Maybe take a break and come up with stronger records and not kind of like waste them at the moment. Perhaps for other artists, it works to put out a bunch of music. So when this whole thing ends, they are in a little better position. But I think it depends what you're trying to achieve and what you got, you know, in your own uh, studio, let's say, you know.
0: I agree. What I, about you? Well, what are
2: you
0: that, doing? is well said, uh, Danny. I, I, I hear that. I, I see that as well. For me... It's I've I I, lo- I just love making music. Really, I've been fantasizing about the times that it's going to open up again, and if I can take the nineteen eighteen pandemic and the Roaring Twenties after that, doing a little math. So in our in our time, this would be around two thousand twenty four, where where people en masse will go out and party like maniacs, uh, which is obviously is a couple of years still, um, but I, I can't help thinking about that. And, and I need to be very honest with you. Still, every two nights, I wake up with this dream that I was about to perform at a show. Some kind of show somewhere, walking through the crowd, going onto the decks, um, you know, plugging my USB in. And I can't help it. I keep on having those dreams. So I am kind of stuck in the, in the old world, and I'm still making music, almost as if I'm in the in the old world. But I I can't seem to shake it. I love it and I miss it. And that's, but
1: there's there's also nothing wrong with that,
0: is it? Yeah. So so it's in, interesting, mean, and I think all of us deal with it on a diff in a different way, right? Exactly.
1: I, yeah. I, no, I, I mean, I think everybody has a different way to. Uh, keep the train going, right? And, uh, like, my brother and I are actually working on, like, a lot of tracks, so we kind of, like, have more of a strategy of, like, okay, you know, hopefully next year uh, things are moving a bit better again, so let's, like, be a little more strategic with releasing songs because if you release, like, even the thing right now to me is, is that if you release a really big club banger, say it's, like, a really, for us, a typical show tech festival banger, you know? Like, to me, people, when you perform, you give them the experience of the song while they are out. To release a banger like that or a song like that while people don't have to chant the, the opportunity to feel that vibe and to really, really live that song when they're sharing that with thousands of others, that's when a song grows to you. So, for example, when 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 Satisfaction came out, you know, and the first time you heard it on the rave, that was when the song got, it was like, oh my God, what's this? If you hear it on like the radio, I'm like, oh, cool, you know, but because you have that momentum of where you hear that song, that's why you go online and you look at it for the next day oh what's the song with this vocal and that's how songs grow but we don't have the playground right now to do that so with that kind of thing going on it's for us we're like okay how much does it make sense to really release like music like that maybe we just are a little bit going to the left and more music that's easy to stream and play and you know it's, but everybody has just their own way of doing it i guess yeah i agree
2: with you man It's a good point
0: very good point. So to, to round this off, I have I have two more polls for you. Um, so the question, who is most likely to spend a night in jail?
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, wow. It's definitely not
0: laid back, Luke.
2: Why is that, brother? Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> because you are the youngest.
0: Oh!
2: Uh, you know what?
0: <laughs> oh, okay. We might be onto something here. Okay, the crowd said number four, laid back Luke. Number three, Kura. Number two, Danny, and number one, it's Showtech. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Guys, I'm not a criminal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm not a criminal.
1: That's
3: uh, that, you know. This is why uh, 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 people judge because just of the beard.
2: Crazy. How oh, can a beard have someone yeah. imagine the opposite, brother, just right like completely the opposite,
1: yeah, you know what's funny i'm like I look very aggressive, people always think like, oh, you know I, he's like I'm like super laid back, I'm like the last person who would knock somebody's teeth out like i'm like i'm not, I, i'm not I don't like aggressive confrontation at all. I mean, I know I' fine, I do boxing and the and stuff, so, but it's just more for hobby, but I don't like to I don't like that aggression so. Like, what well, my, my fiancé, she's a little blonde, little cute girl, but she has the, you know, the fire of, of, like, five times me, and she's more of a dangerous person while she looks super cute. So you can never judge a book on its cover. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: There we go. That's a good point. Well, um, actually, I, I do want to judge Danny then right now, because all of, all of us, including me in my head, I guess, we said Danny. So, Danny, what would be your crime?
2: My crime... Let me think about it, man. Um, Well, I think right now um, I've been having a hard time without actually DJing, you know? So I've been kind of like getting my friends together uh, at my place and just doing like some small, uh, you know, for a couple of people, long DJ sets. But the problem is that the neighbors always call the cops, right? So the cops are quite friendly with my place at the moment. So they... They, quite, they, they come to visit it, you know, once in a while. So that would be my crime at the moment, I would say.
0: Okay, we will definitely need to keep your address a, a secret for, for all the people to not come.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, yeah, if, if DJing is a crime, right? Well, I guess, yeah.
2: No, you know, now they complain about the music and in Spain, it's quite difficult at the moment. So once you're more than five people, they already complain. So, you know, gotta be a bit careful right now.
1: You know what the fine is here in Canada? I'm in Canada right now. If you go into a house party and you are fined ten thousand dollars each person in a okay. in a house. So when I when I when I went to uh, Canada, this is a really funny story. I went to Canada to see my fiance. I didn't see her for five months because we were separated. Borders were closed. She was in the U.S. So we had to meet somewhere where we could we could be together with her family. So I'm actually staying with her parents. So I came at the border. I had to sign a document that if I leave my house during quarantine, I have a $750,000 fine or three months in jail. Whoa.
0: And I was like, ah, you
1: know, like, ah what's going to happen? i want to walk the dog. Two days after, talk, 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 talk. It's like, ah, oh, why does the neighbor knock so hard on the door? I'm not going out because I was staying in their, parent, in their parents' apartment. So I don't know what happened. My phone rings two minutes later. Guys, the cops are downstairs. You have to do a passport control, quarantine control. Open the door. So open the door. Cops came. I have to show my passport. Tell them uh, like how long I was staying, and they told me you have to stay in the house until twelve Friday next week, and uh, we do random checks. So I, and I I was like, oh my god! So in Canada, that would
2: never happen to me. Is that so one, when you enter Canada, like r- right when you enter, yeah, Canada?
1: when you enter Canada, the fine is seven hundred fifty thousand dollars if you break the quarantine rule. Yeah, when so, I got
2: when I got to <laughs> Taiwan, I had to do the same thing. It was obviously a two week quarantine, quite strict. And we had a police a, a coming check every day, and we had cameras on the door. So, if we would get out of the house, they would see it right away. Uh, so, there, were no, there was no way to get out. And it was, I think, a $50,000 fine per person. And we were three of I'm um,
1: um, um, Unbelievable. Yeah, they were pretty strict on that. <laughs> uh,
0: interesting. I didn't expect that from Canada. And because uh, so I, I traveled to uh, the Netherlands after five and a half months. And the Netherlands is so liberal about it. You know, stepping into the Netherlands, they said, "Oh, sir, there was a guy from the the fire department. He looked at my passport and he said, "You know about the what was it? The, how do you say that in English? It's not the it's kind of like the necessary quarantine where it's like you are aware of that and it's like it's not even like an obligation or you won't get fined. It's like you still have the choice if you can do it or not." But I do not mandatory. Not, not mandatory. Yeah, that's exactly what they said. Yeah, you know about the not mand- mandatory quarantine house? Like, yeah, of course. And, <laughs> and that's
1: it. And you, you can't even go to the supermarket here. You have to have somebody bring you groceries and you have to show them. And they even called her parents to double check before I passed the border. It took me two hours to get in. And they checked, they called her like, okay, sir, you know that you can stay together. Do you have another house where you can stay? Like they were on top of it.
2: Uh, during the quarantine, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, but even now, like uh, when when they, they, they made the rules stricter again, now you can be in more than houses than more than six or eight people, and if you do, and they have the the law to come in and they find more people, everybody gets fined 10000 yeah, yeah. dollars.
0: Oof! Wow!
1: So no no illegal house parties, guys.
0: <laughs> Not in Canada. I'm here
1: in Canada,
2: come to Spain. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last question of this episode, speaking about uh, girlfriends and whatnot, who? Is the most likely to get married first, and I, I can't be uh, in this question because people know I, I'm married three times already, so I'm I'm out. So who's likely to get married first? Uh,
3: based on information we acquired today.
0: <laughs> hey hey hey!
2: Well, brother, you got them all.
0: Beep, 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 Hey. Yeah, and so obviously I'm asking this question because Afrojack married this year. I married again this year. Uh, Tiesto got married. So the crowd said, number three, Showtech, number two, Danny, and number one, Kura. So I don't know if you're engaged right now, Kura. What's, what's going on?
3: I mean, I'm in a relationship, but it, uh, we, I mean, it's not... We haven't spoken about it yet, so <laughs> we're still far away from that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, you just broke a lot of hearts huh, right now, saying you are in a relationship.
3: <laughs> no, but it's something that we uh, because we met a little bit before uh, of the pandemic, so we hadn't have uh, enough time to um, enjoy life outside of you know our routines. So we want to do that first. Um, it was a big test to live with uh, with somebody this time, so we got along perfectly. so well, that's a good sign. Uh, first test is is done, and then we have to live. you know we have to enjoy life a little bit, and then we'll we'll think about it. but uh, it's it's not on the the top of the, the list I mean because actually, I don't know about you guys. I, I mean, I definitely I know that you guys value the the, the commitment of, of of marriage, but for me at, at this point. Uh, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but for me personally, it would be more like a family party. Uh, that's the concept that I'm uh, viewing at the moment. My understanding of the, the marriage is like a family gathering and, and celebration. Uh, because uh, I, I might change my opinion later because uh, I, we are always growing. But that's my understanding of, the, of marriage for me right now. Celebration between
2: us and our families together only. So, yeah. Yeah. I I do want to get married eventually. I'm just not quite ready at the moment. Let's put it that way.
0: Sure. You seem ready. No, I'm I'm
1: I'm I'm curious because like yeah, I was supposed to get married this year, but uh, obviously with the situation, we didn't want to wear a face mask and uh, say. <laughs> oh, you I'm were sorry. actually gonna get married this year. They're not. Oh, like, yeah, so we right. had to move it, unfortunately, and yeah. Um, you uh uh when we uh we only invited family and like my a few best 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 like long long life long time friends so uh, so super small like the smallest we could get it because i i like privacy a lot and uh, unfortunately um we uh we had to move it but i've been engaged for two years and um, for us we to me personally it's like the build is nice because you have a relationship you get to know each other and i got engaged and we said you know what i don't want to rush into a wedding I want to be engaged too because it's almost like a new phase. Why don't we just enjoy it for like two, three years, see how it goes. And then we were perfectly fine. So we moved until next year and uh, we're still engaged uh, right now, which is, which is great. And uh, I, uh, I, w- I want to have a COVID-free wedding and not be worried about restrictions and anything like that, especially because all of my, 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 my fiance, she's Canadian. Her friends are from America, even Australia. And everybody was going to the wedding, did not live in one place. So everybody had to fly to the wedding and a lot of people lost their jobs. And for me, if you go to the wedding, I don't want to put pressure on people. Oh, you have to come. You know, if you fly somewhere, it's going to cost a few thousand bucks. They could take it. You don't want to go in and out the same day. You're going to book a hotel. And some people lost their jobs. And we said, you know what? It's not going to be a fun experience for us to do it. So we'll move it. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're both uh, agreeing on moving it is the, the best for now. And then uh, we just keep, we keep enjoying the time we're engaged.
2: So all good. Was, was it supposed to be in Canada? No, it was supposed to
0: be in France. All right, nice. I mean, uh, with the rules we just learned from Canada, it would have not been a very successful (laughs) wedding in Canada. No, no, no. It would be
1: very, very expensive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, um, guys, thank you so much for spending this time. Thank you so much for your your positive messages and and the fun we had. Thank you for being on this episode. It was great seeing you. And um, hopefully uh, we'll, uh, we'll see each other sooner than later and maybe on the road, right? I miss you guys.
2: Stay,
1: stay, healthy. stay healthy. Stay healthy, stay positive. <laughs> and we uh, can, can all hit each other up. In the meantime, if we need some support from each other, that would
2: be great. That'd be Thank awesome. Thank you for having us, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. My Thank pleasure. Thank you, Luke. Take pleasure. care. Take care, Peace, guys. Take care.